Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Snap Out of It Radio Network. Hear all our great shows across the world. Join our community at snapoutofitradionetwork.com. So wake up, stand up, and snap out of it. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love show and we've got a great show today and this is actually a pre-recorded show so that when people listen to this on the normal time, uh, Melbourne Australia time, 1pm Tuesday, just so that you do know, so um, there won't be any uh, ability to actually call in or to be in the chat room. So this is just a great show to uh, listen to and sit back and and enjoy it and pick it up uh, either on that time on the Tuesday or as always you can always listen to these shows in archives. Today's show is great because we're really going to be getting the men's perspective today because there's a lot of women listeners but there's also too some guys that do listen into the show and I really thought it would be a great idea for one of our narcissistic shows to give Nancy a break for a month. And to really, uh, you know, talk to some guys that have been in some narcissistic relationships because narcissism definitely does happen to, you know, men as well as women and men go through the anguish as well. So what's going to be great is I'm going to be asking these guys and we've got two great guys to start off with for the first half an hour. We've got um, Peter from Sydney, Australia. So hi, Pete. Say hi to all the listeners. Hello, you there, Pete? Actually, we've just missed Pete. We're trying. Hi, Pete. I've just said hi. Just say <laughs> I lost you for a second there. So we've got. Oh, you're right. Hey, you so, yeah, terrific. And you know, Pete's a, a man's man. You know, and it's great to uh, you know see a man's man to come forward and actually talk about this experience. And also, too, we've got a lovely chap from. Canada, Julian, and Julian, uh, he's only been on recovery for a short time. Um, I met Julian not so long ago, and Julian's also going to be talking to, uh, he's going to be answering some questions today. So welcome, Julian, all the way from Canada, and thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome, Melanie. This is terrific. This is terrific. So, you know, these guys, what we're looking at with Julian and Pete, you know, Pete has actually been on the journey for a little bit of time, um, really in the contemporary standard form of narcissistic abuse recovery, a very, very short amount of time, actually, because Pete has... uh, How long has your journey now been, Pete? When did we first meet and contact? How long ago would that have been? It would have been probably uh, around February, March. Yeah, of this year. So it hasn't yeah. been long by what we know is linear time, but, you know, Pete, and, and as, you know, we get talking, you're going to sort of see where Pete was and where, where he's come to now. So, you know, without any further ado, gentlemen, because we're going to keep moving and we're going to get this show going, I'm going to ask you some questions that I think are really going to help the listeners sort of understand how this does happen to men as well. And also, too, you know, there can be a little bit of a difference in as far as, you know, I work with men and women all the time, and, uh, you know, I see the pain that men and women do go through with this, but, you know, for some women listening in, I think also sometimes, too, it can be helpful to understand how we can get some masculine energy going, how we can, um, you know, get a little bit definite. uh, You know, all of us have got masculine and feminine and and it comes in at different times and for different reasons. But anyway, we're going to get moving with this. So I'm going to start off with Julian first. So my first question, it's a question that I'm going to direct to both of you, but the question is going to go to Julian first. You know, initially... What drew you towards your narcissistic partner, your ex-narcissistic partner? What was it that captured you at the start with her? 
Well, it was the same thing that draws me to anyone that I date. Um, I prefer women that are at least somewhat attractive. They're they're intelligent, so that I can you know hold a decent conversation with them without uh, dumbing myself down. And I prefer that they're uh, they're fit, so that you know we can partake in some physical activities too. You know, hiking and stuff like that. And that is what attracted me to her. Yeah, yeah. So she had it all going on. You know, she 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 had it all going on. So, you she know, Pete, what was it that attracted... Spades. Sorry? No, uh, she had it all going on in spades. I mean, uh, she was very attractive, uh, more educated yeah. than myself, and uh, yeah. she was a, a personal trainer. So talk about fit. I mean, you know, she lifted weights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so she appeared like a real catch, you know, and, and, and definitely from the woman's perspective, you know, when narcissistic men turn up, they can, you know, they can really look like the package too, definitely. So, Pete, what drew you to your narcissistic partner when you met her? Uh, it was quite a variety of things. No, um, it was um, probably in the beginning, um, it was, it was, it was a, there was a lot of excitement. Um, she created an atmosphere that, really excited me but more so as it moved on um, quickly in the beginning um, she would ensure that uh, she made clear that we had a lot of things in common um, which made me feel like it was um, it was a blissful uh, and a perfect relationship mm, so, that's yeah, a really was, great was, point it was made uh, made me feel like um, that she was the one basically with um, aligning her um, things and her ambitions and her um, enjoyments in life with what I already had. Um, and that would come mm. down to um, fit, fitness, um, which I'm quite into, and sporting activities and, and many other parts of life, and it can even be in the intimacy area as well. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? You know, look, I think that's a very, very common denominator when narcissistic partners show up is they seem very aligned. You have a lot of things in common. And and I think that's a great point, and that's part of the phenomena is that it really does seem like this is the one. This is the perfect person for me. So, Julian, you know, is that how it felt for you too, like the aligned things, the things in common Oh, the uh, the alignment just blew me away. I I really thought that this was my soulmate. Wow, wow! And you know what? Women report exactly the same thing. So that's really really interesting. Okay, you know, and I think that probably may cover our second question about you know what hooked you in. You know, because you're both really saying that it seemed like the perfect partner. It seemed like my soulmate. It seemed like. You know, everything was just, well, it was going on and you were aligned and you were all in there. But, you know, so when, so let's talk about this a little bit. That, you know, because obviously, you, you know, you started to feel and sense that maybe, you know, some of the behavior or the things that would pop out at the edges or that weren't quite right. So, Julian, I'll start with you. How long was it? before there were some things that you thought, oh, that's, you know, that's a bit strange. How long did that take before that started happening? I actually went back through my uh, my photo library not long ago, and I know the exact date that it happened, and it was about four and a half months into the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, and what was it? What were the things that you started to see that were happening? It wasn't even a very big thing. Um, one day while we were on vacation, she just addressed me with such disrespect and contempt that, I mean, uh, I I winced. You know, I've never yeah. ever seen anyone speak to me in that tone of voice. And, you know, I brought it up and... We didn't have a big argument over it, but yeah. But she really didn't think she did anything wrong. Because yeah, that was going to be my next little bit around that, you know, because uh, that would be a really, really common narcissistic trait. You know, like I think when a normal, healthy person 
steps out of line or does something off the cuff that's just not healthy, you know, normally it would it would be normal for that person to be, look, I am so sorry, I was just having a bad moment, you know, or I've got my period or, you know, like something. But so she just wasn't accountable, obviously, yeah? Exactly. She uh, she turned it around and said that I'm too sensitive. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, that, and there you and go. There's one of the narcissistic gaslighting, you know, uh, ways that that twisting and turning, and 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 then you you know you start questioning yourself. But at that point, you know, were you clear that you weren't too sensitive, or was that sort of starting to erode you down, where you were starting to get confused and starting to question yourself? What was happening at that point? No, at that point. Uh at that point, I just calmly explained to her that, uh, yeah. you know, a, a request would have been much more appropriate than a demand, and that uh, I don't, yeah. uh, I don't enjoy demands and orders. Yeah, yeah, nobody does. Nobody does. So, Pete, so in your relationship, how long did it take before you started to see inappropriate behaviour? It's quite interesting looking back now. Um, I can go right back to the very start, almost um, the first time we sort of uh, showed some strong interest in each other. There was behaviour on that very first night that was quite unacceptable looking back. But when it really hit home was um, where I really started paying more attention to it was probably within the first month. Um, there was childish outbursts and um, unacceptable behaviour, alcohol-related um, yeah. behaviour uh, in result to um, being um, lo- losing the attention, um, storming off, yes. um, turning everything around um, and putting it all back on me and so not taking responsibility for her actions and actually putting her responsibility back on me like I was the cause of it all. Yeah, that's the common denominator, isn't it? It it really, really is. It is, it is. Okay, so from that point on, you know, so Julian, I'll come back to you. You know, did you start to see those sort of patterns start to intensify with your ex-narcissistic partner? Yes, they would um, would intensify at times and then I think when... Um, I would become aware of them more so, um, becoming more intense. She would back off and create a, a blissful environment again, um, sort of like a honeymoon yeah, sort okay. of feel to it, to win me back over. And then and then it would come on intense again when she knew she had me back in a position where I was vulnerable again, um, where where my weaknesses would show, uh, where my um, like my boundaries would open up, my, my defence would open up and... Um, allow her to get back in and, and violate me in so many ways. So, yeah, it would intensify and it would get worse. Um, the behaviour patterns would become worse as she'd start to realise that she had me where she wanted so she knew she could get away with more and more. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And did you um, find, Pete, were you starting to get uneasy about the lack of accountability, that she just wasn't getting it? Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, it was so hard because you'd try and explain to her but they... They don't accept anything. Nothing's their fault. It's all comes back on, onto. Um, it was all back on me. It was all my fault. So it was very hard for me to go about it in any way. And at times I just went, you, you know what? I'm not even going to bother to try and explain it because it opened up a can of worms every time. So I just avoid it. It was yeah. like treading on eggshells. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and this is a total, uh, you know, common narcissistic pattern. Absolutely which is to really act childishly, act immaturely, then not take responsibility for it, but then use, you know, whatever uh, tactic and way to keep you in the game. Definitely, definitely. So, Julian, you know, from that point on, when you first started to see that first crack, what happened after then in the relationship in as far as, like, behaviour or non-accountability? Well, um, two full months went by before the next uh, weird thing, which really didn't even constitute a pattern. So 
we're like six months into the relationship now, and yeah. still it's only the the second um, incident, and it was a really weird yeah. one, not even related to the first, because we were discussing moving in together, and yeah. uh, well, I asked her, you know, well, you know, I'm willing to pay for half of the household expenses for, you know, the mortgage interest and the property taxes and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, let's sit down and and make a list. And she flatly refused. She said, that's private information. Wow. I tried to to explain to her the difference between, you know, private and need-to-know. Like, you know, if you go to the bank to try to get a credit card or a loan, they're going to ask yeah. for personal details, your income, your social insurance number. Yes, it's private, but you know, when you need to know, it's not private. And she just stuck to her guns. There was, yeah, there was yeah. No and you know, obviously you were trying to create a partnership, which is about being honest and working together as a team and disclosing to each other as a team. That's you know, that's what a healthy relationship's about. So at that point how did you feel about, you know, like warning bells or, you know, what, what what was it feeling like to you at that point? It was not feeling good to the extent that I actually I was very forthright about it. And I told her that, you know, money is one of the biggest reasons why relationships fail. And, you know, yeah. it's not looking really good right now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, and it was great that you did that. It was really, really good that you did that. And, you know, and I think it's, uh, yeah, so did you go forward with that, with the with the moving in together, or, you, you know, or where did it go from that point? We did go forward with that. Um, it was uh, a little difficult, a little strained, because, I mean, my situation was a bit, it was a bit unique, because, um I live in Canada, and I was working in the United States uh, full-time, and I was staying at a hotel. And, you know, in retrospect, it looked like she was trying to get, like, the full $3,000 a month that I was paying for the hotel and have her, yeah. have, her or have me pay her that full amount. And I, I explained to her that's not how it works, you know. Wow. If, uh, yeah, that's quite a hotel. Oh, it's total entitlement. Yeah, exactly, which is a narcissistic trait big time. Yeah. Of course, the, yeah, the yeah. problem was that I didn't know what narcissism was at the time. I didn't know what entitlement was. I was just mm. really confused. And, you know, things had actually gone so well over the last six months that I, at the time I couldn't really see any reason not to move in with her. Mm-mm. And look, and look, the thing is, because you know, we don't. Oh, look, I was the same. I was in my relationship for so long before I understood what narcissism was, and and we're just not we're not we're not used to this. We don't understand how this works, and and that's why this education is so so important to get out there to understand narcissism and entitlement and all the stuff that definitely definitely goes with it. So I'm going to come back to you now, Pete. So Pete, in regard to Okay, so in regard to the the you know that horrible feeling of feeling hooked and addicted, you know, which is such a part of narcissistic abuse, and it's so insidious and it so creeps up on you. So, you know, in reflection, what were your things that were hooking you into staying when you knew it clearly wasn't healthy? <clears throat> Probably. Um... I guess one major one that always sort of uh, popped up was loneliness always creeps into it. Just um, thinking that you know you, you don't want to be alone, but more so the, the the person really convinced me that I wasn't going to find anyone like her. So I was um, believing the fact that it was going to be difficult to move on because uh, I, she did create in my mind the fact that, okay, yeah, maybe I'm not going to find anyone like her. Um, and also probably uh, the intimate um, creation that she made between us, um, the the feening or the, the over-the-top um, intimacy 
um, really obviously can have a, a strong effect on a on a male, um, convincing them that it's, it's a wonderful experience, and um, you, you might not experience that anywhere else, but on a different level, um, it wasn't quite it wasn't quite healthy intimacy, um, but it was, yeah. def- it was definitely having a, a strong bearing. Um, being a young male on on me, you know, thinking, you know, um, was I going to experience those highs? But from where I was when I met her, I was at quite a, a low in my life and feel, feel, felt like I needed to fill a spot within myself, uh, which is why I pursued the relationship. Um, so being at such an emotional low, the um, the highs that I was getting from it were probably heightened from my emotions being so low. So that's yeah. thinking that it was blissful, but it actually, you know, it was probably just mediocre um, if my emotions were um, quite levelled and in line with who um, is in a, in a healthy self or in a good well-being or in a good place. So being in a, yeah. being in a bit of a bad place made me feel like it was um, yeah, definitely... Um, and, and ecstasy types um, life. Um, so, you know, the things that she'd instill in my head would, were the things that would keep repeating in my own mind that I, I was believing um, that, you know, there were, you know, there possibly wasn't going to be anyone else. She would say to me, um, you know, you won't find anyone like me. Um, and also creating the doubt in my mind and, and the feeling that I had issues with myself that I needed to fix. Um, and I needed to fix them to be able to be with her. So I was on a on this mission to try and discover myself, um, but I was looking for the wrong um, answers. I was looking for external things to fix me, and, and she was one of them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really, really, really good awareness. And um, now because, you know, I know you've got to go soon, Pete, so we might just stay with you for the moment and just get through the rest of this because we're on a, you know, really, really good track here. So, so yeah, Pete, no when, did you, when did you work out that, you know, this was narcissistic? Was it after the relationship broke down or was it while it was still going on? I'd, I'd, we went about six months and then it started to become a bit of a rocky road. It was definitely a roller coaster from the start, so it had lots of highs and lots of lows, more so more lows than highs, um, but the highs were so um, blissful that I, you know, that was what kept me going back because they were exciting, so they sort of pushed the negative to the side. Um, but um, probably... As as the time got on, um, I sort of started to realise that it was a bit of a miss just being treated the way I was um, and starting to feel like that I had issues that I never really thought I had before. So um, I didn't wasn't really aware of um, narcissistic abuse or um, narcissistic behaviour before. Um, I've heard of the, the words, you know, uh, a narky person. Um, but I wasn't aware of that there were people out there that actually suffered with um, a disorder that they affected everyone around them. So it wasn't until I sort of seeked help um, through people and talking to people and becoming more open about it that I started to um, listen to their responses to um, the stories I'd tell them and listen to them advising me that, the behaviour was actually unacceptable and I wasn't being naive thinking that it was actually definitely unacceptable and that's when I started to, to realise that, you know, I don't have a lot of problems. It's the person creating these problems within me um, that are unrealistic. They're her problems that she's putting on me that I was taking on board myself, um, leaving leaving that defence down and, and just accepting her problems as my own and that's when I started to realise, hang on a second, I'm not this person. Um, but I was, in, in saying that, I was very broken. So it was hard to make sense of it all. I was very confused. I was very confused and um, lost and just shocked. And you, you're still in this mm. belief that you are the, the you are the problem and that she isn't. But more and more people come forward and and you you sense to attract that because you are so down and so broken. And and if you allow those people 
ideas and um, thoughts and caring about you, uh, if you take that on board, uh, it definitely opens up your um, conscience to the fact that you, you, you aren't the problem, they are the problem, they are bringing their problems onto you and they are bringing you down um, to this level that you've never been before. And when you get comments from friends and family shocked at where you're at and shocked to see um, how down you are, then you, you really it hits home. Yeah, and look, it really does affect everything, doesn't it? I think when you go undergoing narcissistic abuse, everybody around you can just see that you're not the same person. You're not the person that they used to know. And they know that there's something seriously, seriously wrong with you. You know, and I think it's, uh, you know, and it affects guys as much as what is, it affects women. You know, it's a really, really awful, awful thing. So when you, was it first through me that you discovered what narcissism really was? It's actually, I discovered it through, I, I got, through divine intervention, I ran into uh, a, and a lovely lady just in the street, I gave her a hand and it was funny enough, she had actually heard of um, you, Melanie, before and the great work that you do. And she made me aware of um, narcissistic behaviour just in a short space of time and actually just told me a name and um, said that I should check it out and I, should, I would be able to make more sense of it. And uh, at the time, I didn't even know this lady and for some reason just opened up to her about it. Um, and this lady had actually experienced a similar situation through her life um, and in a short space of time helped me understand quite quickly um, what narcissistic is and that I was um, possibly a victim of abuse. And so... Probably a week later, I seeked through the internet, uh, just Googled um, Melanie's name, um, and yeah, there it was. And it had a, um, a page with a list of the actual um, common behaviours of a narcissist. And after reading that and shaking my head in disbelief at all the things that aligned um, with this behaviour this person displayed towards me, um, you know, I, that's when I really understood um, what I'd been through and renewed complete hope that, um, you know, I, I can move on from this and um, there is other people out there that are very aware and that Melanie is very aware and able to help everyone on their journey with it, but um, yeah, it just made sense with everything. Everything just comes, hit home and made me really realise and understand um, and put everything in perspective. Mm -mm. So what was necessary for your recovery, Pete? If you could sum it up, what, how do you, because you've recovered incredibly well, you know. So what was necessary for your recovery? I, I had to relocate from the location I was in. I had to, um, I had to relocate back home with um, mum and dad. So I had to... Um, get back around the strong support groups, uh, the people that love you unconditionally, that support you no matter what. Um, I had to take time away from work, time away from social life for a, a short period of time just to really spend time with me. Um, I think my advantages to recovering so quick were that I already have a strong understanding of um, universal laws so that helped yeah. me um, really really focus more on that as well as coming in contact with you Melanie and coming um, having available the recovery program and the self-help um, sheets the quantum freedom healing sessions so the time on my own to be able to put my energy into that and really shift all the negative patterns and all the resentment and the, the I'll say the bad, the yucky emotions out of my system um, and realising that the answers were within me and not to seek um, a fix from external influences. And I think being around my parents, they were just there as support. They didn't intervene. They didn't um, try and 
tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing um, or could or couldn't be doing. They were just there as support when I needed it and that was very important. They gave me my space and I spent, yeah, many hours um, reading and many hours um, just really taking time out to process all the past events which was quite a lot in the short space of time with this person um, and just filtering it out and letting them go and not trying to understand them too much because there's so much there that I'll never understand because they're so good at what they do. So it was just more just giving yourself the time and trying to focus on yourself and what's within inside of you and exclude all the external things for the time being to get yourself back on track. When you're ready, it just sort of comes on bit by bit um, and you open up more and more. And the happiness comes back. There's, there was very few moments where I was happy. I was quite down and sad and um, everything would really get me. Even the smallest things I'd become emotional about. But once I um, got back in line with myself to just the smallest amount, all the, all the happiness comes creeping back bit by bit and eventually it, it, it's complete happiness. And, um, yeah, I think powerful the key, message. Yeah, definitely the key, is, the key is working with yourself. Work with yourself, believe in yourself. Don't base yourself on the um, external influences in life because they're not the answers. The answers are within each, each of us. So, yeah, basically time on your own and definitely the self-help or even some sessions with Melanie is, is the best things that uh, are there for you to move forward in a quick time, in quick succession. Um, yeah, mine has been rapid and fast but I did have the time to put into it. Having time off work gave me that opportunity. Perfect message, Pete. And I think that's a, a huge message for anybody listening to this show, that you've got to put the time into yourself. This is all about, as you said, dropping the externals and coming home to yourself because only you can do it. And, you know, the resources are there. And as you said, Pete, you access the Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Program, which is a specific program for this. And, you know, and people like Julian have come forward for Corner Freedom Healing. But it's all about coming home to self and, and healing and, and healing. Because if we don't do that, then we just stay stuck in the muck. And, you know, the obsessive thoughts and the feelings of narcissistic abuse are crippling if you don't get your focus off the narcissist and onto healing yourself. So that's a great message. So just to finish off with you, Pete, because I know you do have to go and then we're going to uh, come back to Julian and we're going to pick up Dale as well. Uh, Dale's going to come in and talk about his experience. But um, So what have you understood as a gift, the gift of narcissistic abuse, from where you were even before that happened to where you are now? What's the gift you got out of all of this? I'd have to say uh, the ultimate gift out of all of it is discovering yourself. D discovering yourself is, is an amazing thing knowing that you can just spend time with yourself, you can go anywhere by yourself, you can do anything by yourself and you don't need anything else, you just need you and um, you can create every experience around you with just you, it doesn't need anything else and I think having that rejects any chance of you coming in line with uh, or coming becoming strongly involved with any person that is going to violate your boundaries because you're attracting more of what you are basically so when you're very in tune with yourself you'll attract other people around you that are in tune with yourself and if they're not they'll either leave your experience or you'll be aware of it and you'll minimize how much of your life experience that they're in it majority of the time I've realized now that the people that aren't aligned with you anymore because of how empowered you are they, they pretty much leave your experience because you're not giving them the energy that they desire. So, yeah, I think the ultimate yeah. key is, uh, and the ultimate experience from it all is if you can find it uh, and it's there for everyone is, is just completely finding peace with yourself and being happy with you and not needing anything external because that was my biggest problem, thinking uh, I'm being needy and I attracted needy people which... Uh, obviously, a common trait of a narcissist is is very being very needy for your energy. So, um, yeah, not being needy yeah. is definitely an answer. Is uh, just peaceful. 
That's beautiful because your life's great now, you know. And you said to me that you, you've met somebody, you know, you, you're in the beginnings of a, of a of a relationship. You know, you're doing things you want to do. You know, just you know, just as a as a brief synopsis before you go, you know, what what's going on in your life now? Okay, um, yeah, I, I was working as an electrician for eleven years, and I've had a pretty strong passion for sports and fitness for quite a length of time and I'm just finishing up my third three and four in fitness now which will um, allow me to be a fully qualified personal trainer which is where my um, heart is and I'm loving every part of um, the journey I'm carrying out with that now and looking forward to finishing and and working in an industry that absolutely I love um, which this journey has helped me understand to go for the things that you love. Don't just settle for something that may be paying well or um, that you, just something that you're used to. Open up avenues and doors because it, does, it, is, a, it is good for us to um, keep growing and learning um, and expanding our experiences. So that aspect um, in my working life has been great. Um, total change of direction. It's like a, a brand new book has opened um, with work, um, relationships now, my boundaries are very strong um, and healthy and the person that I've come into uh, experience with has established strong boundaries also and puts yeah. them into practice which both people um, are unneedy and it's not a matter of I need you in my life to make me happy, it's just really complimenting. Um, and fun and happy and enjoying each other's experience and I think that's ultimately what you need to do just enjoy each other's experience and not try and change the person just let them be who they are and accept them mm. for who they are and what their past may have been everyone has a past um, mm. and that's mm, absolutely stay where it is um, so you know that can be quite crippling for people in the beginning is grabbing hold of their past and thinking things based on what their past is and, and that completely needs to be left behind because they've gone through their, those experiences as we have to learn yeah. um, you know, what they do want in their life and it's great to have someone that has had a really strong past because they've experienced things that they don't want in their life and then they start focusing on what they do want. Yeah, and there's a big difference between people that just repeat the same painful patterns and people that learn and grow and heal. And, you know, and Pete, look, you are a success story. When we look back, you know, back to, and it, well, yeah, February, March, you know, when you came forward, I mean, goodness me, what are we in? We're in, we're in May now. You're in a, a new relationship. You, you know, you're way out of the narcissistic muck. You found yourself and you're doing your passion. So it can be that quick when you access the right things and you put in the time. So, Pete, thank you so much for sharing with everybody. And I know you've got to go. So um, we're going to say goodbye to you now. So thank you so much, Pete, for that. Thanks, everyone, and uh, good luck with life. And um, just remember to keep uh, in tune with yourself and work with yourself as much as you can. It's just like a... Just like your daily job, you uh, you need to put as much time into yourself as you do your workplace, uh, and uh, and you yeah. attract really lovely people around you, and uh, and life can just be blissful all the time. So thank you, thanks for having me Fantastic. on, and thanks for all your help. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank and you we'll talk later. Yeah. Okay, see you. Bye bye. Okay, so I'm just going to pick up Dale. So, yeah, and thank you, Julian, for being patient. We're going to be coming back to you, but we just needed to finish off with Pete. So, so Dale, okay, can you I'm hear me? Here. Thanks, Julian. So, Dale, can you hear me? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Well, as everybody knows who's a listen, Dale is my lovely partner, the, the wonderful, gorgeous man in my life, and... Uh, He's been through a narcissistic relationship as well. He'd been through one before uh, we came together, which was sort of quite ironic. We'd both come from that background. But um, So we're just going to put you, just leave you there for a second, Dale, and we're just going to move back to, to Julian, you know, and I think, you know, Julian, you know, Pete's story is inspirational. It's, uh, you, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's really, really good. And we know that you're at the beginning of your journey and you're really aware, you know, and you're really, really wanting um, this healing journey. But we're just going to go back to, you know, okay, so within your relationship, when did you realize that this was narcissism? Within the relationship, 
I didn't realize it until after it was over. Yeah, which is the case for a lot of people. How long after it was over did you uh, realize that it was narcissism? Well, once it got unbearable and I just got out of there, um, I went to Google and uh, typed in, I think my girlfriend's crazy or something like that. Right? <laughs> uh, I typed, I think that's my girlfriend's crazy. a great tip crazy. for me. I'm going to start getting some uh, SEO going in that area. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, a whole bunch of sites, I mean, thousands and thousands came up. And, you know, everything pointed, you know, probably 90% to narcissistic personality disorder, maybe 10% to uh, borderline. Yeah, or histronic or, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and look, I really do believe that, you know, whether it's histronic, whether it's borderline, whether it's a poor peripheral or self-absorbed and entitled stuff, it's really narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really okay. just narcissistic with so, a so, different flavor. Correct. Spot on. That's that's exactly right. That's so in this part of the recovery, in this part of recovery, so you know, you've done really well and this is where I find men can tend to get this a bit better than women. Not that I'm knocking women, it's just the way it works. And we've got a different DNA and emotional structure than what men do. So when you broke away, you were able to stay away without the contact? Uh, <laughs> breaking away from a narcissistic relationship is the weirdest thing that has ever happened to me. Mm. Because I, mm. I, can, I can tell you the day I moved out and why... But mm-hmm. honestly, I'm I'm really not sure when the relationship was really over, and I'm not really sure mm-hmm. like who caused it to be totally over, because it, it was mm. just it sort of went into this r- real limbo where you know I moved back to Canada and you know we kept in touch via Skype and we made some plans and you know I, I tried to make it clear that. Um, you know, we're trying to wind down now, but mm. on her side, it was there was a lot of pressure for me to basically sell everything and liquidate and uh, move to the United States illegally. I might add, um, mm-hmm. with all with all my money, so I could keep paying her rent. Mm. I'm not kidding, and you know, when I started yeah. hearing this stuff. It was like this is insanity. You know, this is yes. this woman does not care one iota about what happens mm. to me. Mm. Yes, it's all about her. It's all about her, definitely. All right, so Dale, Dale, thank you for for coming on and talking about this. You come on radio and talk with me a lot. And he said to me earlier today, he said, "What? I'm on three weeks in a row. Are you kidding me?" And I said, yeah, that's all right. Welcome to my life. So, <laughs> so Dale, just say hi to everybody. Oh, hello, everybody. Um, but I think just before we touch off, um, Mel, I think some, some of the, with guys like um, Peter and now Julian, I think what some of the listeners, especially the ladies, won't understand how big a step it is actually for a guy to reach out and go, shit, I need help. Um, you know, yeah. men renownedly will bottle it up because we're fixers. We go, wow, we should be able to fix our own dramas. It's very hard for us to go, well, jeepers, I've got to go start looking because something's not right. And because we are men and we have this very analytical base to us, we just we go looking for our explanations, but we like to do it ourselves. So, you know, guys like Peter and, and you too, Julian, I mean, you know, where you are now and you're out there and you're looking... And, you know, that, that's really the biggest step, you know. Mate, um, and I can tell you, if you're working with, with Melanie and if you do get to experience some of the quantum freedom things, the thing you'll like about it as a man, mate, is that once you get through either the course, I'm not sure what the process you're in, but you're in, Julian, but if you're either doing the course or you're about to do some quantum freedom or something like that, the great thing from the man perspective is it's very quick, it's no nonsense, it gets results and you get on with your life. Um, but the fact that you've come out looking, and that is such a problem. The work that I used to do with guys, now, as you're aware, I mean, the story that you're telling, Julian, and the story I heard from um, from Peter and also my own story, I have heard that hundreds of times. And and that's the other little missing thing, you know, is there's a lot of stuff there on the internet about men being narcissists. Wow, I can give you a list 
10 miles long of guys that have been exposed themselves to female narcissists. And I think that's, you know, I'm quite sure it's more of a male tendency, but please don't ever think that it's, you know, it's, um, you know, we were just the unlucky ones, Julian, because, yeah, mate, I've seen the experiences of plenty of guys with some of the work that I've done. So, mate, you're to be congratulated, mate, and you're on a path. And the other great thing about being a man is, mate, is when you really do start to get it, and that's what happens to us, and I can kind of hear it in some of the things that you're saying with your ownership and that, is that you will find, and Melanie talks about it all the time, about how men start to recover very, very fast. We, we don't hang on like women do towards the end. We kind of get our answer, and we, then we run at a million miles an hour with it, and we start to get along with our lives. I mean, it sounds like you've done some exceptional things, mate. You know, like you said, about your money and moving into the States, and you know, and from my awareness of some of the people that I've dealt with in America, I mean, that's, that's no small fry moving into the States legally. I mean, that can have some rather major repercussions, but it also shows an extremely large amount of bravery on your part to go, well, I need to get on with my life and I need to make this happen. So well done, mate. So. Thank you. And yeah, uh, I also I also empathized a lot with uh, what Pete said earlier. Um, myself also, I, I just, uh, I have some work right now, but I've put it on hold for the last three weeks because um, I just want to get this cleared up to to the point where I can think straight, I can work effectively, and well, since meeting Melanie, I've uh, I've made a lot of progress there, and I can certainly uh, you know vouch for Pete and recommend that if this happens to you, take some time off work, you know, take disability leave or sick leave or anything, go see a doctor, get a note, and and just spend the time on yourself. Perfect. Great. It, that is that is such an important message. And and look, Dale, you're so right. It's a huge thing for men to come forward. And I think it's just so incredible that men are starting to do that. So for any man that listens to this show or any woman who knows a man who is obviously in a narcissistic relationship, you know, talk to them, tell them there are resources available and really encourage them that, you know, they do deserve to get better and there is help out there and there's no shame in doing that. I think it's great that our society is really uh, embracing men and allowing men to heal and I think that's so important. So, you know, Dale, within the narcissistic relationship yourself, I know that you had a lot of to and froing, you had a lot of off on. You know, and even when we met, even though you weren't in a relationship with her, she was still hanging around the peripheral and you were still feeling, you know, a little sorry for her and a little bit responsible for her. And can you just, you know, give the listeners a little bit of information about, you know, what was hooking you in to the relationship? Oh, I, okay. Look, the really, really condensed version, um, when I first met my narc, um, I was actually well down the track of what I thought was my, my, my own self-discovery, my own self-empowerment, and I'd had my meltdown probably three or four years earlier, got heavily involved with the self, self-empowerment industry, um, and I re- actually really thought I was doing great. Um, but then, you know, in a, in a, in a social scene, um, she was like a receptionist in a place, and we got chatting at the desk, and we got yada, 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 and I ended up throwing her a business card. There was a few things in common just in that initial conversation. I said, oh, listen, if you'd ever like to go out, I'd be happy to take you out for dinner. And, and um, yeah, about a week later, she rang. We went out for dinner. And I've learned so many stuff. I'm just not going to... So much stuff that I'm just not going to have the time to talk about in, in the last 10 minutes. But, you know, when you talk about the hooks, I mean, she was very, very good at finding my weaknesses. And I was very, very good at letting her do it. Um, you know, the big, you know, she had an issue with alcoholism. Um, I mean, that's certainly, it's just not really a map, you know, part of my map of the world. You know, um, I, you know, I don't mind a social drink, but I'm not a drinker by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but she would obviously drink to excess. It turned out she had like a 20-year history. She was a confirmed alcoholic. But when things started to get bad, you know, she would do the disappearing act. Um, you wouldn't hear from her for a day. And she knew that that would that would literally bring me to her. I would ring, I would hear that she was drunk. I mean, and I'm talking about not drunk, happy drunk, I'm talking about paralytic. And I used to turn into Mr. You know, uh, Knight in Shining Armour. I'd run down there. I mean, on more than one occasion, I actually rang triple zero or the American version of triple um, is 911. Um, sort of got permission to break into the unit because I also knew she could be a little bit flirty and turn things around on me. Um, so you, I'd get permission, I'd break into the unit, I'd see, ascertain how her health was, I'd call her ambulance, it would be whatever, 
the Ambos would come, she'd t- get taken to hospital, the police would show up, I'd, I'd give statements to what had happened, you know, the, the damage I'd caused to get through a front door or, you know, when one, one time it's through a window. Um, she would literally, after a day, talk herself out of them I and she was in the medical industry so she could talk her way out of She could tell the nurses and the psychs everything that they wanted to hear and they, and they just turned into, oh, it's just a drinking episode. So she'd be back home within the day. I kind of knew in my heart that, you know, obviously that, you know, she she wasn't right. I knew what she'd done, so I'd go there for support. And, and when I did that, she got exactly what she wanted. She became the centre of attention. I left all my responsibilities, including running a business, my children, and all that sort of stuff behind for her to be the absolute sole centre of my universe. And she had me 100%. And yeah, and towards I mean, our relationship died. I mean, you know, but I kept in this hook. Um, and like you said, Mel, even even when you know we we admit that it's still happening, and I was getting pressure off her parents because they sort of they'd done twenty years of trying to fix her, and everyone was looking to me, so I'm taking on that responsibility as like a guy who often will. And it was really really difficult to let go. So you know, some people would hear that story and go, "Well, you go through that more than twice, and you just run away a million miles an hour." But she was very, very good at picking my weakness. And like I said, I was very, yeah. very good of, of letting her do it. You know, so, you know, that was my hook. But, you know, but also, you know, that, that same thing. I mean, we talk about the gift and all the rest of it. And like I said, I started what I thought was from a pretty good base of myself empowerment experience. And I was really, really was working on myself on a daily basis. And that's, you know, that's the common thread that people should be starting to hear from Peter and also from Julian. You now trying to do some stuff for himself and where I once was. You know, I, so I thought I started from a good base, but you know, my gift was that you know I had really ordinary boundaries. Um, and you know, on the other side of it, where with self empowerment, I'd, I'd sort of literally become love, and I'd, I'd you know, you know, come from love. Everything is great. There's always a way, and all the rest of it. But you know, that sort of t- tried to turn into fixing it, um, and it wasn't my job. You know, so you know, my gift for me personally was to understand, you know, is to stand up for my own values that I truly believe in in my core. Um, the the real you know there's so many lessons in it but you know the boundary function um, deal was probably the biggest but you know, uh, you know but above and beyond all that the very very first date that we had I sensed something was wrong around the alcohol so you know and the other deal was was to trust my instincts um, you know so but you know there was just there was tons of stuff going on for me but that was the hook you know the hook was it was that, you know, that gentleman saviour thing, which she knew. I mean, she'd seen it, you know, go with my children, some of my mates that needed help, she'd seen it. So, you know, she, she'd seen the loophole in my personality and was really, really good at exploiting it. But like I said, you know, I had to take my own responsibility for it and go, well, hey, you know, I let it happen. You know, I let it happen. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. And look- so, yeah, that, that's a really short, condensed version. I mean, you know, obviously, a lot more of it, Mel, but um, that's yeah, as short as yeah, I can make yeah. it in the time that we've got, so... Look, I think that's, you know, and and for people that would know Dale, Dale's a hard worker, he doesn't drink, he's very sensible, he pays his bills, you know, he's a very solid guy, you know, it it would have been an extreme thing for people to see you hooked into something like this. And, And that really does go to the extent of narcissism. Narcissists are very, very good at finding people that are very solid, very giving, very good people are what narcissists go for. People with big hearts, people that are going to give, you know, and solid people that can get stuff done. So, you know, it's not sort of surprising, but it really does just go to show how your life can degenerate into, and it certainly did with me, madness, absolute madness that you could never even imagine yourself in. And I think that's the... The, the common thing that we've got to realise about narcissistic stuff is that, you know, clearly when it's unhealthy and clearly when you see that things aren't changing and the accountability is not being taken and the entitlement keeps going, it is time, it is time to break away and because of the violations and the gaslighting and the insidious hooks and the repetitive compulsion disorders which I actually talk about in my article Narcissism Understood and it, I go into a lot more detail within my ebooks and within the narcissistic uh, abuse recovery programs you know th- there's that part of you that can get hooked into the obsession of it and the narcissist what they're doing is they're pulling your focus off yourself and your life 
and taking more and more of your energy so that you have to put your energy on them. So the more that you're putting your energy into them, the less and less and less and less and less you become until your boundaries end up eroded, you know. And, and they do know who they're picking. Narcissists are very, very, very good, male or female, of knowing who is going to be uh, the right target for them and who they can get the most stuff out of, whether that be... Um, the emotional caring and the trying to help them and resources are obviously a big thing. Narcissists, when they settle for partners, not just, uh, you know, play things, but when they settle for partners, they go for people that they can get a lot of stuff and money and attention and a lot of things out of, you know. So so it's it's really, really helpful to understand that. And, you know, with you guys, it's it's great. You know, Dale was still in and out when I came along and, this is also a message for uh, women or men out there. You know, I, I understood it. I saw it uh, quite quickly. And then when Dale started reading my information, he's like, oh, my gosh, I think she is a narcissist. And I'm like, well, hell, yeah, she's a narcissist. You think? And then, you know, what <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm like, wow, here we go. We got another one. <laughs> I see them every day. We got another one. And, uh, yeah. you know, and so then I really stepped in and I just said, well, look, you know, and, and this was my boundary too. I'm like, well, because she was contacting me, trying to get me to doubt him. She was pathologically lying to me, trying to get me away. And uh, fortunately, I knew the dynamic, but I said to Dale, right, we get AVOs, which is intervention orders. We get them on her and I'm not continuing the relationship until, unless that's done. I will not have this in my life. You know, so that was my big statement and my big boundary is I've gone through all of this. I'm not going to do it by proxy. And, you know, that, that is not the reality of my life, narcissistic individuals and abuse. It's just, it's a, it's a no-brainer for me, you know. And Dale stood up. He, he stood up and, uh, you know, and, and Dale just, you know, I think a, a good message there is the relief that brought you. If you can just express that oh, to people, and, male and female. Absolutely. And, and, and thank you for the opportunity for maybe Julie and I to have a chat now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is so true. I mean, I mean, there's that wussy thing going. It's, I'm less of a man if I get an order against her and all that sort of stuff. It goes back to that man pride and all that sort of stuff. You know, so the, the biggest trouble for men, and like I, you know, as you can hear, Julian, I mean, I've lived pretty much probably what you went through. It, it's that really going, wow, I should be, you know, I'm a guy, I should have my answers, I should be focused, I should be this. And you look at some of the other, you know, you hear some of the things like Melody talks about the intervention orders, and I look at that and go, man, I can fix my own problems. But all I was doing was dragging them on. It was like dragging your fingernails down a blackboard, you know. It was just continuing exactly. the You know, and you go, man, but that's why, you know, you talk about boundaries. I mean, you know, like one of Melanie's books, Boundary Functions, great book. I mean, obviously I might sound biased, but it truly is a great book. Um, but, you know, the pain and, you know, Julian, you spoke about, you know, she was still making contact and all that sort of stuff. And, man, that, that story, I mean, you know, change the names and, and the countries, mate, we're talking the same story, you know. Um, yeah. But, mate, the, you know, the intervention order, and there's varying degrees of, I mean, you can have the full-on, which is an apprehensive violence order here in Australia, or like Melanie took one out against my former partner, which was actually like a stalking one, so nothing via email, telephone, text. You've only got a minute left. So we've got a minute left. Guys, a minute left. the short story to that is, is, is if, you, if you can break contact and if you have to use an order to do it, male or female, just do it because the most important person in the world is you. Love yourself first and then the rest of it will work. All righty, all righty. So I'm sorry you guys didn't have time for a real chat, but you said this. <laughs> Yeah, so through the ABO, you know, it's it's important. But Julian, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And we know that you're um, starting your journey, but you know what? You've you've got it. You know what you need to do and you're doing it. And kudos to you for doing that. Thank you. And thanks for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, lovely. And we'll be talking for our next session soon, next week. We'll be we'll be doing more work on this. So so and and thank you, Dale, for um you know, sharing that and, you know, for a sensible, incredible guy that got roped in a complete madness, it just goes to show how it can happen and how it does happen yeah. to more people than you could ever imagine, listeners out there. My inbox is filled every day with victims from narcissistic abuse. But for those of you that are that, you know, that he did this, he did that, she did this, she did that, yes, we know all of that. That's what narcissists 
do. But the important thing is you've got to get on to your healing. This is about healing you. This is about getting your focus off the narcissist and onto yourself so that you can heal, so that you can recover. And that's the really strong message. So I hope you enjoyed these guys explaining their experiences. And that's it for me. And that's it for the show this week. And lots of love. And bye-bye. Bye-bye.